You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. So many on our, times on our social media go, what's a podcast? How do yeah. I listen to a podcast? Yeah. Mm. And so we've brought that audience into that genre. But also, yeah, there will be 500 women in the audience who have never been to a comedy show before. And hopefully that will make them go and see other comedy or just never thought that comedy is for them. And sometimes we have women who come up to us afterwards <laughs> oh God. who say, I don't find women funny, but you guys are all right. And we want to fucking slap them in the face. This is a podcast from ComediansComedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast, the only podcast about comedy, if everyone is to be believed. Now, the scummy mummies are on the show today. Helen Thorne and Ellie Gibson, uh, they're a pair of stand-ups with a tremendously successful and very funny parenting podcast. Unlike any other you've heard, uh, as you will hear, they are not afraid to uh, bully people on their <laughs> in a friendly way uh, into revealing their true feelings about their children. They're a really funny double act and they've got some really interesting things to say about how they work, where they work, how the dynamic between them uh, evolves. And also there's something very exciting about hearing people who get on with doing a lot of shit under difficult circumstances. Um, also, we're going to talk about a, a, a TV pilot, a sort of a, a potentially very successful show and the incredibly frustrating and infuriating reasons uh, they perceive to be uh, behind why it has currently stalled. So lots of really interesting nitty gritty coming up. So a really interesting conversation coming up. There is some extra material available, as there usually is, for members of the Insiders Club, which you two can join at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for only £2 a month. You can pay more if you want, and people have been doing that still. This is so gratifying. Uh, upping their donations, you can go up to £10 a month uh, in order to then let me know they'd like that to count towards a subscription for someone who can't afford it. You people are marvellous. So thank you. Uh, with the Insiders Club, you get access to extra material from all the podcasts in the entire series, though the ones that have it, and uh, as well as other sneaky little projects like Comedy Critique, where we all listen to and uh, give group feedback to a new up-and-coming act and their set, uh, and also your chance to pitch to interview me about a bewildering array of tangentially comedy-related things, or anything you want. So Insiders Club is at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders for all of your extra materials. Now... Let's get stuck in to this conversation with Helen and Ellie, the scummy mummies. Talk to me about the relationship between your stand-up and the podcast, because the podcast is hilarious and has kind of super comedy powers compared to, I suppose, the, the 
the territory in which you're operating is the the and this is, sounds like an awful thing to say, but like the mummy blog, you know, yeah. it's kind yeah. of a mummy blog, except it's not that at all. Yeah, and the, and you are so much funnier than any of the other kind of writers in that sphere that I've heard. I haven't. I would take other. that. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was about to say that's very kind, Stuart. In a very English way, but uh... but it's not kind. You're properly, properly beltingly funny. So oh. that so that's the kind oh, of that's thanks. your comedy credentials in, in terms of this show. Thank you. But I, I haven't seen your stand up. So let's begin with the relationship between your stand up careers and what you do on the show. Well, Helen and I met at a stand-up gig. Uh, Which who said one? That? Well, gig is a strong word. <laughs> it, it was an event. It, it was, was a event. night. It was my third ever gig that I'd ever done in comedy. Uh, and it was um, at a place called Big Red Bus, which okay. was in Deptford. Mm. Um, and so in Deptford, there's this bus under a flyover that sells pizza, obviously. And then next to that was a shipping container. And the comedy was in the shipping container. And um, when it first started, um, there was no chairs. The audience had to sit on crates. And it was March and it was very cold, so the audience had blankets. So as you know, Stuart, nothing makes an audience feel like laughing more than being cold and uncomfortable. Mm. So it was a great start. And there was, I think there was about eight people in the shipping container, including yes. us. Mm, that's right. And, there, and the axe. So yeah. it was five of my mates and then I think two Spanish people. <laughs> two Spanish exchange students. Who were very confused yes. about the whole thing. Uh, and, and I think, as always, too many acts on. Too we many, all, yeah. uh, And we'd all did five minutes each. And then, yeah, I just remember seeing Ellie. I thought, she's done, she's done comedy for ages. And I'd, I'd done comedy back in Australia for three years and then moved here in 2006 and then did absolutely no comedy. I'd babies I lost myself lost my sense of humor and then one night I was like I need to do stand-up again I think I was you know in the middle of the night breastfeeding and that was my first gig back ever so it was a really interesting time is that like I was sort of reclaiming who I was as an individual like post mum post marriage mm. was your sense of humor had fallen out of your vagina with the placenta oh I think so it? yes <laughs> that's, that's what, what I like to sometimes. say the fourth stage yes <laughs> <laughs> they don't talk about it a lot at the no, NCT but no. it's a real problem no that's it yes baby placenta and then sense of humor uh, <laughs> just all went in, in into the Tesco carrier bag and then um yeah so I did this gig and um yeah I just thought Ellie was the most funniest person I'd ever seen and um yeah and we just had like the post-match beers didn't we yeah and again I thought you were you must have been going for years and years I just thought you were brilliant and just just sort of um you know when you see a stand-up sometimes they're just sort of luminescent they're just sort of like you're just like oh I really like this person I want to be this person's mate uh and and you know obviously that feeling subsides once <laughs> yeah. you get to know them scratch the surface just so, a bit so you were on your third gig let's just sort of get mm. the background of who you were pre that meeting mm. you were on your third gig but you had been a video games not just video games journalist but also editor um yeah at the time and that was that was that had already happened at that stage yeah i've been a games journalist for so until I, before i had a baby i was a games journalist for, well now it's been about 15 years so, so long time um so yeah I, I was doing that um and i would write like funny stuff yes um, and I'd always secretly wondered if I could do stand-up, and then I had a baby, and I thought, well, look, if I can, if I can do that, if I can push a human out of there, I could probably go to a pub, tell some jokes, and survive if the four people there don't think it's funny. I think that, that's probably that right. Is, I, I feel like that must be happening more and more frequently now, given how many more women there are on the circuit now. Mm. Speci- what must have at some point been quite an unusual origin to think, Jesus, if I can... Like, you, you would imagine from the outside that you're like, I've had a baby, that's the end of my kind of 
ambition. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. certainly, well, I'm sure we'll talk about this on your podcast, but I'm, I'm certainly at a stage where I feel like I have a child now. I don't want to leave the house ever. I don't want to go out. And, mm. You know what I mean? I yeah. kind of want to just kind of go to ground. Mm. But that idea of, like, I have now achieved what previously felt impossible and terrifying in terms of motherhood, in terms mm. of birth, yeah. to then to then kind of it's an interesting way round to me it's kind of a, a kind of a, a a different a paradigm shift for me to hear yeah. someone go once I've done that comedy must be a piece of piss yeah. or at least not anything like as frightening as I thought no 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 because you've seen the end like when you when you've yeah exactly been yeah. ripped open and and see and made a, a a whole entire human out of your own body yeah. and then like fed it off your own boobs <laughs> and you know fed it cleaned it you know you just you feel like you feel quite invincible. It's actually. like Luke Skywalker going through the trials on Dagobah, yes, yes, and then you come out and you're like, "Cut off my fucking hand! I don't care." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've seen my dad's face in four hundred thousand mirrors at once. I don't care. Whatever you like, exactly. I'm going to wear black. It's like that. It is it's exactly like that's that. A, that's what I was thinking. Uh, and yes, and there's a little person not making much sense in the corner going, rah, 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 yeah. and you go, yes, I've seen the light. Yeah. So that's it, yeah. I love a Star Wars reference. Thank but also you, I was really happy, so I kind of thought, if I, because like, in my 20s, I think, because I was whinging to one day about another, to another open mic comedian, saying, you know, God, you're so lucky, you can go and gig five nights a week and, you know, get pissed afterwards because you don't have to feed a baby at 4am. And I wish I'd done this when I was younger. And he said, quite wisely, for a sort of 23-year-old man, um, he was like, but you wouldn't have necessarily been ready before. And and he was right, because I was much more insecure in my 20s. So if I'd gone and done it and failed at it, which I would have, because I didn't really know anything about, you know, who I was yet, I would have been shit at it. And so then I would have never done it again, probably. Whereas I was really happy after I had a baby. So I was like, oh, if I go and do this and it's, it's fucked, it doesn't matter because I come home and I've got this baby. And it's all all right. You know? and, and Helen, you had, the, you had already started doing stand-up before... Yeah, yeah. So I did my first gig in 2003 at the stand in Glasgow because I was on a, like a university exchange there. So I did like a stand up course and then did a couple of gigs. And then when I went back to Australia, I entered raw comedy, which is like, what is it like? Who do you think? So you think you're funny. So you think you're funny. Who do you think you're funny? The equally <laughs> aggressively <laughs> named. Think you are. Um, the X funny. Yeah. Strictly come funny. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> The great British funny. Um, so I did raw comedy, and it was on my seventh gig that I got into the national final. So I was at the Melbourne Town Hall doing comedy in front of two thousand people. Um, so that was a really big leap into stand up in Australia. And then the next year, I got into a thing called the Comedy Zone. So I was picked with three other comedians to to um, do a festival run and directed show. And then the next year, I did a solo show. So I was sort of on the trajectory, and I'd done a uh, TV, like a panel show on the ABC there. So, yeah, things were going really well. And then my husband said, let's move to the UK. And I was like, oh, OK. And I just finished my um, my solo show there and um, moved out and then just quit because I knew it would take me another three years to get where I was. And it was hard to kind of go, oh, God, I've got to go back to five-minute, you know, Five minute sets in miserable pubs, and then and then I just I just sort of lost myself, and then like had some babies, and then yeah, I just remember thinking one night, what makes me really happy, and I felt that that was the missing part of me because you give so much of yourself as a mother. Like I had two small children, all my life was was just around feeding and wiping asses and 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 being the mum. And then I just went, I need something for myself. And, yeah, booked this stand-up gig. And then I met Ellie. And that was – it sort of felt like the right time. I was sort of searching 
uh, you know, there's something better <laughs> to do with my time at night. I mean, I didn't need to sleep, did I, Ellie? I just no. needed to be out at miserable pubs yeah, exactly. with, with young men talking about wanking. I mean, mm. that, that, that's dreamy, really. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, and that's how it all kind of came together. So you're, it seems, it's interesting that you you had kind of the opposite experience you, to each other yeah. in terms of dis- you discovered it and then and had a kid yeah. and you had a kid and didn't feel like you would have discovered it in the same way beforehand. Helen, do you think that's true of Ellie? Do you think that she would have had things to say if she doing, started doing stand-up before parenthood? I know, Ellie was always, from what I know, Ellie was always very, very funny and very quick as she is in The Scummy Mummies. And she was like, she did presenting and hosting and all that sort of stuff. And you did what, that BBC show, what was it called? Techno. K-N-O-W. Yes. <laughs> wow. So yeah, so I've seen clips of her being hilarious, like interviewing Jonathan Ross and all that sort of stuff about games. So it was already there. But obviously the the stand-up I saw wasn't about Pac-Man and whatever it's called, Street Fighter 4. Um, it, you know, it was about your human experience, which you spoke about really passionately. So I think, I don't know, I don't know what you would it have It was talked. about a, a letter in The Guardian from someone who was having sex with his wife in a Billy Piper mask or yes, something. Yes, that's it? right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. another story. Yeah, and so, so there, was, there, was a bit of, there was a bit of darkness in there that I liked. That's what mm. I, was like, I always liked that sort of vulnerability and darkness in comedy, and that's what I saw in Ellie. So there was obviously a big life shift that she could talk about. Um, I don't know we bet you like you're not there anyway um no, I so... specifically asked you to do that <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome um yeah so I, I sort of identified something in Ellie that I saw in myself as well so um yeah but I think yeah she could have been Ellie can be funny anywhere at any time uh so Aww. she would have been funny sometimes at, at the wrong time some would say <laughs> and they would be when right it's inappropriate <laughs> when it is not required not time for the jokes Ellie not yeah, time for the jokes too soon yeah um yeah so I, I just think she's got funny bones she's she is a very 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 funny person uh and um whereas Helen I think has to work a lot harder to be I was just really hoping for that. (laughs) It's much more of an effort. You can kind of see the machination, see the thought process. She steals a lot of my material (laughs) on stage. Um, and it's 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 not a balanced relationship, Stuart. No, no. Helen's it's incredibly bit, talented. Of course, it's a, bit, she is. it's a bit like a marriage. Uh, so it is a lot like a marriage, actually. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I often refer to Ellie as like the wife or the spouse or the other half or whatever. But we, what, what do we like to call each other, Ellie? Uh, business associates. Business. That, that's the term I prefer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to, everyone's clear. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where we and, are. And, yeah. And in terms of the, so talk me through. You you kind of met and bonded and went. We're excited about each other's comedy. Yeah. And what was the process whereby you came up with the podcast through that? Like, were you chummy? Did you gig together for a bit before then? Or yeah. So we 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 were doing these shit open mic gigs together because obviously it's it's a lot better to have another person of a similar demographic sometimes than yeah than all the twenty two year olds in check shirts uh, talking about online dating um so that that sort of brought us together also it turned out we lived five minutes apart from each other which was nice uh and we had these two boys these two sons who were born 11 days apart with the same midwife which was just a random no way okay. yeah, yeah yeah so that all seemed a bit odd so yeah we just started hanging out didn't we yeah that's it and we sort of said oh and it's it's sort of like a weird dating i don't know if you find this too when you meeting new parents of kids as like oh should we should we go to the park should we get coffee you know like and that was that sort of initial kind of stage and we just thought look you know we're both looking after boys exactly the same age why don't we you know maybe write some jokes together not like 
together as a duo, but like it's side by side, we can bounce ideas off each other. And we were both going through the same thing at the same time. So it just sort of naturally happened that we kept sort of hanging out more. Mm. And then I got this random email, I think it was five years ago today, that Ellie said, why don't we record a podcast? I've got this idea. Yeah, I oh. think it is. Oh, how auspicious. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was, and, and, and she just said, I've got this idea. I think we should put down all our funny ideas into a podcast. I think we should call it The Scummy Mummies. And it was a really, it was a very clear email, quite long, quite detailed, which Ellie likes, um, about what this podcast was going to be. Uh, and, um, and, yeah, and then we just sat down on that sofa in there and recorded it, and mm. off we went. So this is Helen and Ellie. What a pair of scummy mummies they are. And uh, I, I highly recommend, as you can tell, that you download and experience their podcast. It's really good fun. And they've got a real array. If you go and look at their podcast feed, they've got a real array of different types of episodes. Some of them are very serious interviews that they then warp and turn into very funny ones. And some of them are very light. So there's a, re- there's a real uh, gamut of things there to discover about parenting. And it's the sort of thing, I mean, I know you're not all parents, but it genuinely is funny enough. Maybe you're considering becoming a parent or trying to, and uh, maybe there will be stuff in there to both inspire you and have you running screaming for the hills. So a little reminder. Uh, now, this is its not even a reminder. This might be an announcement. Um, more from uh, Helen and Ellie in just a second. You can come and see the, uh, this is another uh, pod clash opportunity, the hugely successful QI Elves podcast, No Such Thing as a Fish. All four of them are going to be my guests when we headline the London Podfest on Sunday the 16th of September 2018 at King's Place in Euston. Uh, that's at 9.30pm. Tickets are selling fast for this very exciting headline event in which I attempt to break up one of the most successful British podcasts, find out uh, what the goss is on each other, uh, drive big wedges into their solidarity and uh, tear them asunder. So if you'd like to see that uh, for very funny people, no such thing as a fish are my guests at the London Podfest at King's Place. Uh, there is a link in the show notes to this episode, but you can also search for it at kingsplace.co.uk. Um, the, uh, there were saver tickets on sale. They've all sold out, so get in there quick and fill your boots. They're, they're a tremendously successful podcast. I'm sure a lot of their fans are leaping on this, so it would be great to have a bunch of you there as well. Very excited. Never done the London Podfest before. Headlining the Sunday. That's lush. Hashtag London Podfest for all your further information. And of course, my new show, End Of, is coming to the Edinburgh Festival this August. You don't need to buy tickets, but you can find out about it at edfringe.com. It's 2.50pm daily from the 4th to the 26th, not the 16th. Ugh, who likes the 16th? Not me. Go to comedianscomedian.com for all your information on that. That's all. Um, you know about the insiders thing. I've mentioned that already, but do join that. It's been bloody great. There's some good stuff on there and some really active chat in the uh, the workspace app that we all use to, to communicate with each other in there, um, as well as people uh, discussing who they're going to see in Edinburgh. And thank you, of course, everyone that uh, participated in Spreadsheet Day. You can still find those by searching the word spreadsheet in the Comedians Comedian podcast Facebook group, which is great fun. There's about 6,000 people there. Everyone's been extraordinarily well behaved of late. And I'm very proud of uh, the high level comedy chat going on there. So uh, join that and find out about Spreadsheet Day and share people's recommendations for the forthcoming Edinburgh Festival. Let's get back to this conversation with Helen and Ellie. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. Before we talk about the live show, what do you think are the unique strengths of, of your podcast? Of the podcast? Um, I think one of the things I like about it is that I, th- I think, hopefully, if you do listen to it from the beginning and we get people writing to us saying that they've just found it and they, that's what they've done, yeah. um, I think you can hear our friendship develop over the five years. Because when we did it, we'd only known each other a few months. Yeah. So although we really got on, the first episode is hilarious. The first episode is it's a bit like... It's a bit like we're trying to be woman's hour. Hello, Helen. Why don't you speak your opinion now? Let's talk about some current affairs. Thank you, Ellie. I will speak now. Yes, please. <laughs> Whereas now it's like, oh, fuck you, shut up. Shut up. Shut up. It's my go. It's incredibly natural. And I think that's one of, that's definitely one of your, your strengths as podcasters. You, mm. It properly feels like we're just in the room and you're really good at getting your guests to be equally natural there's a bit I listen just to the one just get them pissed Stuart uh, where's our fucking Prosecco <laughs> <laughs> just get them pissed I'm out I'm it's now three minutes past noon and I feel terribly bad that <laughs> I'm not brought wine Prosecco. o'clock I say <laughs> wine o'clock somewhere I was listening to your one on the super mum myth yeah, uh, yeah. recent episode and um, a lady, you were asking a lady about uh, her child and she was saying well because because he's a very angry child but in a really lovely way and you were immediately like bollocks <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was, I was howling because you never hear that in any other kind of parenting thing yeah. other than a lucky chat with a with a parent, even friends of mine who are parents, you know, yeah. parent friends rather than friend friends who became yeah. friends. You, it's so, it, it's, you make yourself very vulnerable to admit that you secretly think you might be a terrible parent or yeah. to the confessions that you have at the end of the episode, you know. You, you'd never, I can't think really of any other media where... A parent will say to another parent, bollocks, I bet you're really pissed off that you've got an angry kid. Stop trying to sugarcoat it. That's so unique. That's so precious. Yeah, and we we basically, I mean, I heard on very early on in parenting that actually the best thing you can do to get through the hard times is go and have a glass of wine with a friend. Mm. Like you can read books and what what you really want is someone just to pat you on the shoulder and saying, this is normal you're going to get through this. Yeah, or this is not normal. Your child's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. but, but have what some shit. more wine. Yeah. It's all right. Just have some wine. He's weird. Yes, that is absolute horseshit. Oh, God, I mean, that sounds thing. very valuable as a parent to have another parent go, yes, he is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a bit odd. Yeah. 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 But, you know, I think that's, yeah, that's, that's reassuring. Yeah, we're very honest with each other and hopefully that, that, makes the guests feel a bit more at ease and yeah yeah my favorite bit is when one of our guests says oh, i shouldn't really say this but yeah. you're like yes come yeah, on yeah 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 <laughs> oh it's like a little delicious biscuit isn't yeah, it yeah. it's great and i think that's really nice because 
basically, yeah, you just want the essence of a good pub night out, don't you? Mm. It's like your slaggy friends. Yeah. That's what you want. And we do always have a fist fight afterwards, don't we? Yes, we I mean, a that's a nice shot. relief at yeah. the end. Um, <laughs> Nice bit of hitting, um, but yeah. So, so I think that's I think that's what made us unique, and also that we're two voices. I mean, I, Ellie and I are very unique characters, and we both have different things that drive us. But we but we like each other and respect each other. So I think mm. well, some of the time. Um, but yeah, so I think they like the friendship, and I think that yeah, come for the friendship, stay for the wine <laughs> and the filth. So much filth. We're a bit naughty. We're actually oh. disgusting. Yeah, really gross. When you say they, that's what they like, is that's presumably kind of like a relationship with your audience whereby they email you and say, I enjoyed this, I enjoyed that. that yeah, sort of yeah. yeah, and that was the case right from the beginning because when we started five years ago, I mean, there's quite a lot of really great um, sort of parenting podcasts talking honestly about parenting now, but when we started, there wasn't anything in that space. Parenting podcasts were all kind of like, this is what car seat you should buy and this mm. is how you're to get your baby to sleep. Whereas our podcast was like, we don't know fucking anything, but let's have some wine. Yeah. Um, that was our sort of, unique store <laughs> that we thought very cleverly and sophisticatedly about yeah. um, so right from the start we were getting emails from people going oh thank you so much there's, there's nothing else out there for me like this um, there's certainly nothing on telly because this before Motherlands and all of that all that obviously um, and even in the podcast space it was it was a new thing and that's just grown and grown and grown and we've had um, lots of emails just saying people make them laugh um, and we've had like one saying, you know, once we covered miscarriage and this guy wrote from Japan, it was a bloke saying, um, thank you so much for talking about this because, you know, where we live, it's taboo and nobody talks about it. And we've had a miscarriage. It's been very difficult for us. So to hear other people talking about it sensitively. Um, and we were sensitive. And we that were time. for once. We were actually sensitive. Yeah, we didn't say anything mean. No. Or... <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was good. And, yeah. and um, at our shows, we do like a meet and greet and a book signing after our shows. And I, at every single show, mm. um, at least one woman comes up to us and says, um, I love your podcasts and I've, had, I've got postnatal depression or I've had postnatal depression and they're what got me through. Which is like, yeah. it feels like really embarrassing to say that. That's what I'm saying. So Helen and I, we cure oh. postnatal depression <laughs> with our comedy. We're like Jesus. Yes, uh, we're yes. like mental health wizards. Yes, um, exactly. But they, that's, that's just true. That's what people say. And we find that incredibly um, mm. moving and, and flattering and um, obviously, you know, uh, ego boosting. Yeah, and also I just think what's really interesting is that the podcast has now li- has been listened to, I think, nearly 150 countries. And that just the experience of parenthood is such, it's a universal thing that you get emails from all around the world going, that's how I feel, or you've, you're, you're like my mates and things like that. So I think that has been one of the unexpected bonuses of, of just connecting with people. And I'm sure you're the same. Stu, is that, that, you know, laughter, comedy, parenthood is such a way of connecting with people. Um, so, yeah, it's really, that's really flattering. So it's been nice, anything that's kind of spun off, because the podcast was the very first thing, and we've kept that going. That has gone out religiously mm. every second Tuesday um, in the morning. So it's, it's um, yeah, it's sort of like the foundation of, of everything that we've done, and we've learned so much from it. Mm. Um, and often, often we've had like problems with our own kids. Like my my son wouldn't eat anything, so we said, "Should we get a nutritionist?" Yeah. Um, and then save to save to save quid. Save to save. Yeah, exactly. And like, yeah, we've I had. Think I'm drinking too much wine. Get that woman on who's written that book about drinking. Get yeah. her on. <laughs> We need a fitness expert. Let's get him on. Yeah. So, so that that yeah. So it's it's been it's sort of, and uh, you know I listen I listen back to some of the time when I'm going through a really tough time in my marriage and like, oh 
I've revealed too much about all the, you know, like when I was going through really. But people quite, like that, don't they? Yeah, see? and you sort of see, and uh, you sort of see us going through. So you can, if you listen to it in in, mm. in detail, you can sort of see us developing as parents and and people, uh, and you know, getting through stuff. So that's good. And, and I getting, never cut those bits out because because I'm I edit all the podcasts, um, and I. Um, yeah, there's been occasions where I've rung you up and gone, are you sure you want this in or mm. what do you think about this? But generally I think um, that's your truth, isn't it? And, yeah. and lots of people have stuff in their marriage and mm. stuff that they go through and I think that's what people yeah. relate to. I mean, Will wasn't so thrilled that I told the entire internet that we didn't fuck on the uh, <laughs> on the holiday for two weeks. He, I mean, he what he liked was that his work colleagues told him that I'd said that so that was nice yeah. and your husband's work colleagues my husband doesn't listen our husbands don't listen to the podcast but their work colleagues do yes, so. yeah so they get to know the yeah. details um, when I described his penis as a Christmas turkey he that was a hard day at work for him that was a hard <laughs> meeting he had yeah. a board meeting but then the free wine arrived uh, difficult, yeah. difficult. Uh, so, so yeah. yeah lessons learned yeah well I, I want to just stay on that, not specifically that image for a moment, but, but the idea of making yourself vulnerable, because you mentioned before that is something that you kind of, you ask your guests to do. Mm. And that's something that I certainly find that those are the most, those are the moments when uh, the listenership responds most warmly. Mm. And certainly those are the moments I think we, you know, we just know as listeners to other podcasts, it's the moments when people are vulnerable that that really speak to us the most it's the the intimacy of the medium really kind of comes to the fore i think what a pretentious sentence the intimacy oh, no, of the I'm medium enjoying it. I'm really it, it is the I'm hard as a rock to <laughs> <laughs> but um but i do, like the intimacy i think is really important and i do i um i just wonder about some of the ways in which you've made yourself vulnerable and the kind of do you feel you have like a duty of care to your guests or to each other or to yourselves yeah I think I think we always present ourselves uh, and I think we do that in the live show is like we're the dicks you know you can't get any sillier than us you know we all we provide the platform already and we we're very vulnerable from the from the get-go and we've got nothing to hide we've got no shame um at all so you want to provide the, the most comfortable chair for your guests. You already say, look, don't worry. You know, we're not here to judge you. We're just here to laugh with you and drink with you. Um, and, you know, we've already said all the worst things you could possibly probably do in parenthood. So it's it's going to be okay. Mm. Um, so, and I really enjoy that. I, you know, and sometimes like unexpected things, like we were interviewing Jane Garvey from Woman's Hour, who's just, you know, very, very proper lady. And then she just admitted to us that she did Woman's Hour with knits. Yeah. And things like that. So things like that. Like, and during that, we recorded that broadcasting house, and I had my little baby Joe, who was very little then. And uh, at one point, I was breastfeeding him while we were doing the podcast. And uh, at one point, Jane Garvey had to interrupt the podcast, tell me my tit was hanging out. So I mean, there's vulnerable, Stuart. There's yeah. vulnerable. Exactly. Over the course of the podcast, of your podcast, have you? Has the direction been led at all by feedback, or has it been led entirely by you and what you want to talk? About? I think a mix of both, actually. Sometimes oh, I was going to say we just do what we like. No, <laughs> great. Oh, let's talk about this. <laughs> no, but I, but I, I love it when they go. Oh, I love this game, or I love this filth, or I love it when you talk to this person. And that I'm sure I consciously clock that. But again, we just we just do pick people we like and yeah. people we're interested in. Yeah. Because chances are there will be seventy thousand people who would like that every month. Like you know, like you know, there's there's a chance you'll find your people, and and I think yeah. people have to trust. 
who we are and what we want to do with it. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big believer in gut instinct and what we think is funny or what we think is interesting. And, you know, we're very similar to our listeners. So hopefully there's crossover. And if they don't like it, well, it's free, isn't it? So it's all right. Yeah. (laughs) And now we've amassed, like, we're up to 130 episodes that they can just pick and choose. Like, obviously, Mm. there's some episodes that are wildly more popular than others. Mm. Um, And some we go, oh, Oh, that's really popular. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that to be. Okay. You know, and what, what things have surprised you? Like oh, I thought we did a gardening one once, and that was mm. really popular. Uh, and and you know, we'd like to do it for a bit of variety because you can't talk about breastfeeding or birth forever. And like we, because we've actually moved on in the last five years since mm. having babies, so we're sort of picking things that are interesting yeah. to us now. And now, so we do life. still get people writing to us saying, "I've written a book about baby sleep or kind of um, breastfeeding, or whatever." And we kind of say, "No," just because we've covered that before and we don't have anything to say to add to that conversation anymore Mm. um so yeah let's just talk about shagging instead (laughs) (laughs) because there is always more to say yes so much so much ellie ellie's catchphrase on the podcast is cut a hole in the sheet yeah (laughs) did you like to always say and we cut a hole in the sheet uh Mm. yeah so i think i think that's it so it's and it's nice to like people if they've got a new book out or a film or something to just to chat to them about as well and like just on the off chance the other day we got asked to interview dd con who plays frenchy in the Mm. film greece Uh, and it was greece's 40 year anniversary and we basically just talked about greece i mean that's what we want to hear and and we asked her something about parenthood at the end which was really wonderful and insightful she had an autistic child which you know she probably wouldn't talk about on another podcast but we got both of those sides of her which i think is kind of unique about the podcast you can kind of get both the the professional and the personal but the live show is is quite different it's not like a live version of the podcast i mean who would do that Stuart? that sounds rubbish right uh it's it's a proper comedy show so it's sketches and stand up and singing and Twatting, uh, twatting about. about yeah ah, go on then well so having not seen the live yeah, show yeah so it's a big variety hour so what we do we come on dressed in gold cat suits i've and seen the, the incredibly eye-catching uh, i mean promotional material you, once, once you are welcome Stuart goldsmith <laughs> you are so welcome i'm sure you keep a flyer under your pillow uh, yes, to, to paint the picture, Ellie looks like Linda Evangelista and I look <laughs> like Claudia Schiffer. Um, so, yeah. uh, so we that, actually look like a crunchy and a Ferrero Rocher, but yeah, that's, you know, in, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's stand up and then we do, yes, yeah, sketches and games with the audience, really highly interactive, uh, and lots of stupid songs, yeah. uh, and just jumping about. And then, and yeah, lots of, you know, we simulate yeah. sex as Mary Berry and Jeff Goldblum now. Yes, that's a new bit it. of the show. That's yeah, we going do, down well. We do a bit of doggy style, which mm. is nice. In the second half, because you don't want to, you know, obviously come too soon. Yes, yes, exactly. But the best bit of the show is always at the end we do Scummy Mummy Confessions live. So we give everyone in the audience a card and a pen. Oh, great. And they write down their Scummy Mummy Confession. Um, which was um, Helen's idea. We did, we've done it from our very first show. It's kind of the one element that's never changed. And when we first did it, like four and a half years ago, I was like, is this going to work? Are people really going to tell us these scummy things that they've done? And oh my God, it the was like flood, a floodgate. Floods opened. Just, people can't wait to get things off their chest and be funny about Some them. Things and, though, yeah, Some things they shouldn't though, Ellie. Some things they shouldn't. upsetting. Uh, but that is, that is wonderful. So we've amassed in that shed behind you, Stu, 
uh, boxes and boxes of these scummy confessions from parents around the UK, uh, which we're hoping to turn into a book. Yeah, I mean, you would be mad not to turn a yeah. chef yeah. on Yeah, well, we have, we've, done, we've done a first book and we yeah. put a lot of real confessions. All the confessions in that book are real. And people don't believe us, but it's absolutely true. Oh, my God. Obviously, we can't put names on them because of anonymity. People don't write their names. Although sometimes they do, which they is go, weird. Lucy, yes. <laughs> Why did you tell me Amanda that, Amanda Dilworth, Cambridge. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, so we've got just shoeboxes and shoeboxes full of them. So yeah, yeah, but so that it's, it's like the crescent, the crescendo in the in the in the live show yeah. is that they they write them all down and then backstage during halftime we go through them and pick the best ten yeah. and then read them out and then we get the whole audience and sometimes we've got five hundred of the audience going higher lower because we've got this thing called the <laughs> scumometer which is an ironing board covered in literally shit and we and we and we sort of place them up and down the board and then at the end of the show we'll know who the, yeah. the queen of or king of scum is and we get them up on stage play coronation music we've got full like royal regalia we put on them and give them a big bottle of mm. uh, scum pain we like to call it but it's usually carver from the shops or I Heart Wine I so Credit UK yeah um, thank you hashtag yeah. gifted um, so yeah so that's that's and that's oh, great the one I thought should have won last night and didn't win was we did Harpenden last night oh, yeah, yeah. and it was double sided and she'd written on one side um, I had so much gas and air I hallucinated that the female nurse was Chris Tarrant, which I thought was a lovely contemporary reference. Oh, my God. And then I flipped it over and she said, P.S., um, it's three years since I had a baby and I still lactate when I'm aroused. <laughs> and I was just well, like, this is the kind of stuff you want to tell us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was, I enjoyed that. Oh, that was really good. And it, yeah. But it's interesting. Sometimes we'll, we'll pick the top eight and we'll go, oh, yeah, this is, this is what they'll really connect with. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes they're really filthy yeah. and really weird. When um, you talk about the different versions of the live show, the fact that the confessions has remained the one constant, what sorts of things have you tried and, and given up from the live show and why? What were the decisions behind that? We've dropped a few characters along the way. I used to do Elena, the Russian children's entertainer. Oh, very funny. She was a former Pussy Riot member who now does children's parties and just smokes all the time, <laughs> just always smoking. Yeah. I enjoyed doing that, but it sort of it sort of ran its course. Yeah. Um, I and then things in Russia got a bit more serious and it felt a bit more inappropriate. Um, you do you do your mother-in-law. I do my mother-in-law, yeah. And um, and sometimes that really hits the mark and other times people, it's a bit too close. Yeah. It's a yeah. bit too close. Um, so we've, we've tried that, but they're individual characters. But I think people like that. What has been a constant is uh, some characters we Rod and Rod, Rod yeah. and Rod, who are the run on dads, and they really enjoy breastfeeding. Yeah. And, uh, Do you lactate, Stuart? Do you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've actually lactated through uh, meditation and Reiki. Excellent. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I met yes. Chutney. Yes. Well, you were involved in the pregnancy from the get-go, weren't That's you? That's right, yeah. I know when, ben, when Bunny got pregnant, you gave up drinking. That's right. I just thought that one of us should. Yeah. 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 You get the idea. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, idea. yeah. so they, know, they know more about childbirth and women than women do. Yeah, yeah. They put the men in feminism. Yeah. yeah. So we have a lot of sketches with them. So, yeah, because we have the original show and then we have the Christmas show that we've, we did last Christmas and then we have the new show, which we've started touring this year. So and then sometimes we do a sort of hybrid because like sometimes we usually go in my car. My dad's our roadie, which is hilarious. He's seventy-two and hysterical, um, and he's an old comedian, so he he gets it. Like he, your dad is Jim Barkley. He is. I couldn't believe. I only discovered that this morning whilst googling you. Oh, yeah. I can't believe your dad's Jim Barkley. Oh, that's what a wonderful. Thing. I mean, sometimes I wish he wasn't, but I, <laughs> really, but, yeah, I, no, no, but, no. I, but I'll say things like, uh, "Oh, you remember that episode of The Young Ones, Ellie? You know, when Vivian puts his head out of the train window, and she said, oh, yeah, dad was in that.'" I'm like. <laughs> He seems yeah. such a legend, you know. He's amazing. Yeah. But, but you know, excuse me, I've got a cough. 
one of the things I love about touring with him, he's such an old hand at everything. You go, no, the lighting's not right, or yeah. you need to do this in the show. So we've got this amazing director slash roadie slash man who brings us two pints of lager after yeah. the show. Yes. And then uh, we go for a curry, and he loves to talk about comedy theory, and like he's a re- you, should, you should get him on. He's a real yeah. comedy nerd, and he's really like, because he yeah. was in that first wave of alternative comedy in the 80s. So he was in it when it was a real bear pit. You know, he was going on at the comedy store at midnight after the fucking strippers. And like there was no set time. You just went on, and you just kept, bloody hammering away until they started throwing so much piss at you you had to get off the stage so he's a real warrior and it drives him mad that there's no um political comedy that's his thing because he was all thatcher ah um and i remember he came to one of my open mic gigs the night thatcher died i think it was yes and nobody mentioned it it just wasn't a thing and i was like well dad you know they're all nine they don't know who she is but he was furious that they're all talking to about Facebook and online dating yeah. is like the world's on fire yeah. Ellie Syria <laughs> the world's on fire it's like, Syria's not that funny Dan yeah. it's certainly not if you're 19 and all no. you do is wank and tinder yeah it's interesting like that's four or five times now you've referred to other you know young male comics doing jokes about wanking and tinder and Facebook and stuff like that yeah. mm. it's interesting in the paradigm of your what your dad considers to be kind of important in comedy mm. um, presumably is your stand-up material as not about the world burning as some 22-year-old jokes about Tinder? Do you I mean, mean is there, is there, could the same oh, accusation so be sophisticated. Yeah. No, I, I wouldn't pretend it's sophisticated <laughs> political satire at all. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't pretend it's better than that. I, our complaint about that specific sort of genre of comedy is just that we had to sit through so much of it. Because we would go to these open mic nights and there'd be like 15 other comedians and some of it was misogynistic not in a way that they consciously knew almost do you know what I mean but there would be oh do you remember that that, that joke they would do period jokes oh and it was you know oh they said oh women's writing is literature and I was like and then I got on after that guy because we were doing individual mm. comedy then I said no you know women's writing is is just called books you know <laughs> it's just called literature you cunt um and so like it was just it was you know we were very aware we were in this mosh pit of masculinity uh, and you know we wanted to say our own truth and I think our, our show and our podcast is very much driven by feminism as well it's mm. about having our voice and a very loud voice about what we go through and a lot of people who come to our show or listen to the podcast saying god thank god it's not just me who feel like they're struggling through motherhood mm. or just being a woman in 2018 and what they're experiencing is they're doing that alone mm. so I think that feels kind of important that we've got a voice to people who may have for a very long time felt voiceless. And um, I meet and greet a lot of people say, I've never been to comedy before because I didn't think it was for me. I thought it was, you know, blokes talking about blokes or, you know, um, I haven't, I, I used to go and see comedy but it was too blokey for me and too sexist or whatever but, you know, this is great and I think what you're doing is great. So yeah, and so that's that, been nice. Yeah, that's been amazing. So I feel like we've brought a I mean, whole... no offence to it, obviously. <laughs> I'm well aware of how the odds are stacked. But that's really nice, is that I feel like we've brought a whole new audience to podcasting because people, so many times on our social media go, what's a podcast? How do I listen to a podcast? Mm. And so we've brought that audience into that genre. But also, yeah, there will be 500 women in the audience who have never been to a comedy show before. And hopefully that will make them go and see other comedy or just never thought that comedy was for them. And sometimes we have women who come up to us afterwards <laughs> oh God. who say, I don't find women funny, but you guys are all right and we want to fucking slap them in the face. I hear that a lot. Do you? Not after my show. No. <laughs> <laughs> what do you get? I 
don't find women funny, yeah. but I do. <laughs> Thanks. No, but Stuart, uh, no, you've I... reaffirmed my beliefs, men are funnier. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Let's shake on that and drink yeah. some beer. I mean, I, all, most of the uh, female guests I, I, I speak to, not even on the podcast, just most female yeah. comics I know will absolutely yeah. tell their story of that. And it must be the most infuriating. It is, and it's hard not to whinge about it. And, you know, one day my husband said to me, oh, I was banging on about some, you know... <laughs> The, the patriarchy and mm. he was like oh look can you just have a day off and I went do you think the patriarchy's having a day off <laughs> and then I realised I, I had gone too far yeah. in my own head but 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 what we find and it, you know we're in the process of you know going on to bigger things let's say and when we pitch radio uh, mm. shows to you know the 24 year old producer who've come back to and said parenting and family topics are niche and 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 that we find that as soon as we're talking about a family experience or a mum experience, that that puts us not in the funny character, uh, category, but also you look at like Radio 4's programming and they'll have something about gardening in the 18th century and we're experiencing daily life. We're experiencing family life and making people, you know, most people are in a family and that's what we're describing. And also about a female experience, which is we are 51% of the population. But again... Producers of radio and television. Can I, can I tell them the Bush Horse story? Yeah, yeah, I think right. we should. So, so um, last year we had a meeting with a TV channel, and uh, obviously three white blokes in their fifties, because you know, and uh, it was a nice meeting, and they yeah. seemed sort of yeah, okay, maybe yeah. And we said, well, why don't you come and see the show? So we put on this show in Bush Hall in up in London, and we sold out uh, three hundred seats. Yep. And um, it was like, and they were coming, obviously, with these execs and our agent and our producer, and it was all, uh, yeah, telling people. Super exciting. Um, and we hired these great women called Mums the Word to like make it a big event. And there was helium and there was glitter, and it was all, and we, we had so bad. Yeah. in massive lights, like the size of our bodies. Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the whole thing. We, we, we yeah. pumped lots of money into it, made it an amazing event. Yeah. And we were, um, and we were selling bags and t shirts. There was like queues around the blocks to buy our merch. It was all brilliant. And we did the show and it was like a dream show. Honestly, it was like the dream. Everything went perfectly. We didn't fuck it up. Amazing. They were pissing themselves from the get-go. Um, we had a game, we have a game called the Great British Nappy Off where we might people change a baby blindfold, not a real baby, just to be clear, blindfold and they get Nutella over the hands. It's hilarious, obviously very sophisticated. Um, and Dr. Range off of CBeebies and this morning was there and he volunteered to come up on the stage. Sorry. So we had like the celebrity element. He was a hilarious mm. Um the show just could not have gone better. And at the end, we got a standing ovation. And I looked out across these 300 people and I saw the three TV men standing up and clapping along with everybody else. Mm. And then we came out and there was this huge crew of women, hysterical, trying to buy our stuff and wanting selfies and wanting all this thing. And I just thought, and I, I just thought, well, there's nothing more we could have done. Like, that could not have gone any better. Yeah. If you're going to stand at my show and give me a standing ovation and not give me a TV show, that's not about me, is it? And, of course, we went home pretty excited and, oh, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. And, of course, we all know where this story is going. <laughs> because we're currently not on television, yes. really. <laughs> um, uh, a week later, uh, we had an email from one of the blokes who was very supportive and who got the other blokes to come. Um, and he said, look... That was an amazing night. There's nothing more you could have done. It was a great show. The other two blokes really, really enjoyed the show, but they are not going to give you a television show because although this is a, a, a female-skewed channel, this is a women's channel, and they are worried that your subject matter will alienate a male audience. 
and we. I'm, I'm angry now. I'm, I know I'm, I'm well gonna, <laughs> I never cry. You know yeah. I have no emotions. She's, she's literally dry. Um, yeah. No, I, I've never been angrier. And but this is this only was a few months ago. Mm. So so for anyone listening about not seeing women on TV or because mm. we get oh, people write to us on Instagram and at our shows. Oh, you, why aren't you on TV? Why haven't you got a show? I'd watch it. I want it. Yeah. yeah. This is why because men are running television channels for women and they are not putting on content because they're worried about pissing off men. And I wrote back to the bloke who sent this email and I said, thank you for all your support because he had been very supportive. And I said, but you know what? I'm alienated by the subject of Match of the Day. I'm alienated by the subject of Top Gear. But those shows are made and do quite well, you know. And equally, There's the nobody... bake-off's about making fucking cakes. Yeah. Men watch it, you know, because men also like, you know... Men and I would argue there's more, there's more men who are parents in this country than there are men who make fucking macaroons. Mm. So I'm getting swearier and swearier. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I feel like I'm being very silent here. I've got nothing to offer apart from Jesus fucking Say Christ. sorry, Stuart. Say sorry, sorry for all, all of the men. men. I'm sorry. Right, um, you I, go you know, to that patriarchy meeting on Monday and you tell them that's enough. We're, we're putting an Take end to this. Take it back to the committee. Yeah. But, but the thing is, when, we've, when we have mentioned this story to other female comedians they just go yeah yeah that's 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 (laughs) that's it so um but it it just strengthens our resolve it makes us more angry and more determined to do it we had amazing sex that night oh so angry (laughs) (laughs) right couple of quickies to round up right Oh. Um, oh hello what was your within the there's the sphere of the double act specifically um what what was your biggest failure Oh, do you mean the, like the live show? I mean, there's no, so many no, areas in, in which we failed. Aspect, what's a thing that you tried to do and, and couldn't do? Um, uh, we had uh, those characters last year that didn't work. Yes, yeah, some dreadful characters. Um, hmm. I just, I always just always think back to the Croydon Stop Smoking <gasps> oh, campaign. God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we made, so we, we were our first ever gig, <laughs> Corporate gig, first oh, corporate gig. We were, we were. We were 12. Yeah. We were hired to do comedy for a Stop Smoking campaign in Croydon City Park. Mm. And uh, we wrote like a 40 minute. <laughs> we, wrote, we wrote a version of. Uh, I, I will, will survive. survive. Oh. I'm not getting lung cancer. <laughs> it was so jolly. Oh my god! Oh. And I had different patches. I remember. Yeah, saying, oh, yeah. I, I, I eat too much cheese, so I had like a baby bell stuck to my tummy yeah. and like a Facebook patch, so I didn't go on Facebook. It was the most miserable thing. It was um, rainy. Yeah, it was rainy. Next to the most miserable um, Caribbean steel, the world's most miserable steel drum band. Yes. They were so miserable. Awful. These three guys. They wouldn't share their mic, so we had yeah. to share one mic. Uh, yeah. And there was a woman there who had about three to four teeth. Yeah, she'd given up smoking four days previously, so she was very much into the whole idea. Yeah, um, but and was clapping along. Um, but yeah, it was. I don't think we, we encourage anyone to stop smoking. In fact, I think I gave up. I, I started smoking directly after that yeah. as a result of that gig. And we were introduced. Do you remember this? we were introduced by um, like I guess he was like the mayor of Croydon or something. The yes. king. I don't know what they have in Croydon. Mm. Um, but he came out and he was like, "Welcome to the you know stop smoking roadshow." Now, what I want you to do is imagine everyone. Imagine right here, right now, in the middle of Croydon on that road there. Imagine two coach loads full of people. Now. Imagine those coaches crashing into each other, into a huge fireball, and everyone dying. That is how many people die of lung cancer in Croydon every year. 
And now the scummy mummies. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the office. It was just oh. like, and they gave us the cash. Do you remember in a little envelope? Yes. And we just took it and we just ran back to my car and we just got in the car and went, oh, oh, oh. like like whores oh. and just oh, get out, get out, get out. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and the scrubbing I had to do afterwards. <laughs> and can did you learn anything from that? Can you seriously? Yeah. Can you take anything from that experience? Never go did to you? Croydon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I know, obviously, but in a in a in a serious way, are there any? lessons that you actually learned from that experience don't do an outside gig uh, yeah. no but we we, cause we, we we've had to learn over the years to be more insistent on the technology and be like like because we, we learned too many times we would turn up and they go oh you need two microphones yeah right yeah. and we go yeah because we're a double act so now we have a sheet of paper which has everything down to the white wine we need this many microphones we need stands for the microphones I need to be able to plug my USB thing in or my iPhone in like we have a, a yes thing. the audience needs to be in the dark and we yeah. need to be in the light yes <laughs> the stage like the- is good <laughs> <laughs> so, so now, because we just we just don't take anything to chance. That's what we've learnt from those yeah. really yeah. dreadful gigs when someone said, "Oh, I've got a lamp from my bedside table. That will do for the comedy." So we're uplit like we're yeah. in Bohemian Rhapsody. And also, we've learned that even if things don't don't go right, you know what? Money does make you feel better. <laughs> it does help. It does take the edge off. So, yeah. how much? Yeah, we did a gig the other day, a corporate gig for a sofa that uh, sofa could, fabric sofa fabric that you could wipe clean stain resistant uh, there were six people in the audience it was during the day it was in a very hot cafe yeah. and we had to make the sofa dirty and then the Spanish executive yeah. had to clean it and then we and we got the, the six people to do confessions and we thought they would write funny things about oh you know poo on the curtains and this woman wrote the worst thing I've ever had on my clothes is dog spunk and like so we're having to read this out in front of the, the head of this stain removal fabric company about his fabric <laughs> <laughs> Whores, yeah. again, whores for money. We Got paid. We did. Are you considered a success among the friends you grew up with? <sighs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, people were really proud. Yeah. I, I came from a tiny, shit, tiny little town in Australia. Yeah. And, yeah, I, the people are, are pretty pleased with where I've got... Yeah. No, people people are very nice. And and especially also people from the games industry are like, Wow, you've you've made it out of games like well done and you're you're doing really well. My mum mainly says I look tired, but I think she's <laughs> proud of me. <laughs> Have you ever been ripped off? Oh, oh lots of times. What um, was the worst time? Oh, it's usually when we've booked a gig like a year and a half in advance and go, oh, yes, that seems a reasonable amount. And then you realise that they've sold it to 500 people and you're getting... Yeah. yeah. And they totally. I, I, I meant, sorry, not, not so much financial. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Who's taking our money? Have you, have you had concepts or material? Oh, yeah, or very much early on. We, we started doing this show and someone else did it and said, oh, can, yeah. I, can I come to see your show? I do a very similar one. And we're like... Oh, and then six months later in The Guardian, we saw these people going, oh, and then they write confessions on cards and then they share them. We're like, hang on a ticket. Yeah. And, yeah. and we had to write a very curt email and they're not doing it anymore. Yeah. Uh, anything, those people. So, so that, was, that was a shame when we see it because we, we very much established that in our podcast and in our live show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But fuck them. Yeah, but we can't own... I mean, that's a thing. We can't own funny parenting. No. That is a thing now. We've um, tried to patent it and it turns out... Oh, uh, that yeah. was a waste of a day. That was. <laughs> um, but yeah, but we wear, but I think because we wear our big, silly, gold cat suits and, you know, we try and have a pretty unique voice. So, And I think because we're so established now, if anyone did something similar, people would call them out. So, yeah. Mm. And finally, um, review your live show as honestly as possible. If you were a different person reviewing it, 
I mean, it's literally the best thing. <laughs> it's, give these women a TV show now. Um, it's very silly. Yeah. It's very filthy. It's very honest. Um, I think it's funny. The, the audience were highly engaged. Yeah. What does your... Ellie's dad always like to say, you made the audience act like one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's changing hearts and minds, but I think it is hopefully, and this is what people say to us, touching hearts and minds... That sounds odd. <laughs> I'm touching your mind. I like to touch the audience's minds. Um, I hope it is sort of touching people. Like, we just get this this sort of wave of recognition that we're telling the truth and we're speaking other people's truths. Like, the biggest laugh in the show, I think, the, the first big, the first massive laugh in the show is we come out and we do a little bit of jolly old, oh, it's Thursday night, mm. oh, we're not allowed children, yay. And everyone's like, yay. And then you say, who's here on a mum's night out? Mm. And I say, oh, who's here with their friends? And I was like, yeah. And I say, who's here with their real friends? And who's here with their NCT friends? <laughs> and there's this massive roar goes oh, up. Yeah, and we're off. It's delicious. It's so delicious. Because they know. They know the facade. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And, of course, there's always a group of NCT friends. And so then we take the piss out of them and yeah. ask them which their husbands they sleep with first and all that yeah. jazz. And, mm. um, and, and it's sort of saying the unsayable a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But the best, bit's the, the best bit's the audience confession because, yeah. you know, you can't make up anything funnier than real shit oh it's yeah and that's and that that yeah that's the lovely thing at, at half time we should be having a beer and relaxing but we're vigorously going through the uh the things like oh my god they did that not again uh, we can just have two of those tonight yeah so that's brilliant thanks so much oh, thank, thank you for thank you. us So that was Helen and Ellie. Thank you very much for that pair of scummy mummies. There is more extra material, as there always is, available at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders if you'd like to find out even more about their practice, their work, and some more uh, scummy behind-the-scenes backstage-type gossip. Do check out scummymummies.com. They've got a podcast, of course. Their website's got all the information on it. They have a brilliant book, uh, and you can join their Twitter, and you can go and see them live on one of their ludicrous-sounding tour events, um, which uh, I think you're really going to enjoy. I've not seen one of them, but uh, I would love to get along to one of those. They sound great. Uh, remember to go to kingsplace.co.uk, um, or I will put a link on the comedianscomedian.com to find out about the London Podfest, where I will be interviewing special guests, No Such Thing as a Fish, all four of those dudes, the QI Elves, uh, and their fabulously successful podcast. Uh, we will be talking to them on Sunday, the 16th of September, 2018. That's this year, fact fans, at, uh, at 9.30pm at King's Place in Euston. So get in quick, because as I said, the, uh, the saver tickets have already all gone. So you're on full price, I'm afraid, my friends. That's just how it is. That's it, I think. I'll have a very quick post-amble with you in a moment because I have got lots of stuff to do and I'm going away to work at a festival. And I... Oh, I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you more about that in the post-amble. So um, that's all for now. Thanks to Pete Dobbing, podcast consultant. Thanks to Nathan Wood, podcast editor and producer. And thanks to Helen and Ellie and you for listening, rating the show on iTunes, sharing it with your friends and donating by joining the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. Speak to you soon. So I'm doing a thing at the moment which um, Dr. Brown mentioned. You know Phil Berger's fabulous uh, theatre clown who came and took Edinburgh by storm some years ago and then ended up with Netflix specials and, and all of that. Oh, God. I mean, don't even get me started on Netflix specials. How good's that? Uh, Nish Kumar 
uh, heading a, a four-person lineup of the four most attractive people in comedy, uh, Joel Dommett, May Martin, Ellie Taylor and, of course, Nish himself, uh, are all representing Britain in this new global or pan, pan-international, pan-international? It's pan-international. Uh, Netflix specials, they're all recording them at the Montreal Comedy Festival, which I won't be at this year. But um, what a wonderful thing. I'm so proud of all of those guys. And when those things come out, uh, please do watch them all. Uh, Ellie is going to come on the show soon. The other three, those other three, already got them, mate. Um, and uh, I was great fun looking down that list like Panini stickers and going, got, got, need, got, got. Oh, Kay Trevor Wilson coming up soon. Um, so uh, lots of things to enjoy. They're coming up. Uh, with all those Netflix specials, it's kind of becoming the new industry standard, isn't it? Oh, bloody hell. Anyway, my original point, which I will make fast because I'm going to a festival because of the point itself, which is Dr. Brown was saying, why go to Edinburgh at the beginning of August when you are absolutely at the end of your tether and you've been hammering your show into the ground and rehearsing hard and you're exhausted and then you start a month long run? No, he said, get the show finished before then and spend July enjoying yourself and relaxing. So you go into the beginning of the Edinburgh Festival marathon, relaxed and ready. I'm bloody doing that this year. The show's good. The show is good. Thank you to the people of Corsham for exploring, experiencing the suit for the first time. I think I'm wearing a suit in my show. Let's see how that pans out. Um, And not just any suit, but um, it's really good. I listened to it this morning uh, in a sort of walking around, making notes kind of way. And it's good. And I've, uh, I just went and enjoyed my dad's 70th birthday. He lives in Spain and um, he's turned 70. Happy birthday to him. And uh, uh, we went out and threw my child around a swimming pool and had a great time and I'm feeling happy and relaxed. And now I'm going to a festival and I'm doing a tiny bit of work on the Friday afternoon and then hanging out with the family and just planning to go up to Edinburgh happy and relaxed and get stuck into, you know, a tough month. It's always tough. And who knows, it could all go tits up, but let's accentuate the positive. I feel really good about this one. Ha <laughs> ha, check in with me in three weeks. Um, I feel really good about this one. And there's a little part of me going, oh, yeah, it's when you feel good about stuff. That's when it all goes wrong. No, out, damn spot. I don't do that anymore. I don't do, there's no point catastrophizing and being hyper vigilant about it. It's just a show. It's a fucking good show. And me relaxing beforehand is not going to make it any worse. I deserve to go up there and have a good show because I put so much fucking work in all year. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I can't believe I've heard myself saying out loud the sentence, yeah. I mean, it's not completely ready, but I don't want to overcook it. Who does that? (laughs) Who hangs around in July trying to make sure they don't overcook their show? I think I've got three previews left over the next two weeks. And that feels like the right number. And I just can't wait. I cannot wait. Oh, there's so many good bits. I'm having to cut, but it's, it's 10 minutes too long at the moment. And normally I like it to be five minutes too short so that I can play and it can breathe and I can grow a bit on stage. So that means I've got to cut 15 minutes and I like all of it. But I'm going to bloody do it. Cut 15 minutes, put it in a little packet for next year or the year after if I do manage to take next year off. Oh, man. I was so excited. I was giggling to myself. It's the worst. I'm the worst. Worst thing a comedian can do. Listen back to your own set and laugh at your own jokes. Blessed with a shit memory. <laughs> I really get to do that. That remembers, uh, that reminds me of um, Spencer Brown's joke about Rehypnol having a bad sort of trade name. And actually it should be called the cake surprise drug. 
because he uses it to go home. I'm butchering his joke here, but anyway, you get the point. <laughs> you bake yourself a cake, hide it in the oven, take a load of it, and all the next day, hooray, I've got a cake. God, what happened to Spencer Brown? Is he still working? Spencer, if this gets back to you, please get in touch with me and come back on the podcast. What a phenomenal joke writer you are. Um, anyway, that's enough waffle. Um, how exciting to be in this post-therapy completion, the happiness. My mate Kath always said your 30s were your sparkle years, but for me, they were quite hard work. And um, this lot, I'm really enjoying I'm really enjoying it. You just need to catch yourself and keep picking yourself up and go, oh, oh. Like today I was going, oh, I'm, I've, got, I've got to get more work done on the show. And I was like, no, you're feeling edgy because you decided to not overcook the show. You decided as a decision, as an experiment, a valid decision and a valid experiment to do a lot of work on it in advance and then do less work in July. And you've forgotten that and you're falling back into the habit of going, <laughs> should be working, should be working. No, this was the plan. Stick to the plan. It's great. It's going to be fantastic. And just don't stew. Let yourself fall back into going, <laughs> and just letting yourself slide down that worry tunnel slide. <laughs> My son calls her. You know, a slide at a kid's playground that's a tunnel. It's a tunnel slide. It's an obvious name. I never called it that. Didn't know what they were called. Don't let yourself slide back down the tunnel slide because there's every reason to be cheerful and every reason to be positive. So there we go. I nearly put something on Facebook like, hey, guys, my show's actually too long and I love it. it am I normal? But I didn't do that because I didn't want to boast. But I'll boast to you because uh, you, you get me. <laughs> right. That'll do for now. Uh, let's pack the van and go festivaling and um, and all of that business. We're dropping in on a friend of ours to meet their week old baby now. And uh, the boy's going to go nuts. I'm going to go nuts. And my wife's going to go nuts. And we're all going to go nuts because our one's due in October. Speak to you soon. <laughs>